if I can inspire one person today, then I've done enough because that person will inspire someone else and then they will inspire else. And so I recognize that I am part of a collective of inspiration and also am descended from a collective of dreams and hopes of inspiration. Hey y'all! Today I get to talk to Charlie Amaya Scott about some of the upsides to social media, which is kind of a different thing than what I normally focus on. Um, so I had a lot of fun having this conversation. Charlie is a Diné scholar, born and raised within the central part of the Navajo Nation. Charlie reflects, analyzes, and critiques what it means to be queer, trans, and Diné in the 21st century while inspiring joy and justice to thousands on social media. They are a doctoral student at the University of Denver with research interests on the intricacies and intimacies of settler colonialism, social media, and higher education. Their English pronouns are they, them, and she, her. We had so much fun connecting, so I can't wait for you to listen. Welcome, Charlie. In Your Element is a teen-hosted podcast covering conversations with our allies. I'm your host, Abby Jones, and I get to chat with some of the most inspiring people. Our guests will include educators, creators, and changemakers who will reflect on their teen years, what makes them feel the most in their element, and things they wish they had known as a teenager. In Your Element is a part of the Element Collective, the first gamified life skills mobile app for teen girls. Download the app to earn exclusive rewards and get connected directly with mentors like the guests that you'll hear from on the show. You will probably be on your phone anyway. It might as well be fun and productive because when each of us are in our element, magic happens. excited to get to talk to you today another another social media person (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so you have really been able to create a platform on social media that allows you to help raise awareness and you talk about both the positives and the negatives in my TED talk I really only talked about the negatives um so tell me some of the positives and how people can work around those negatives of course So when I think about the positives of social media, I often think about how particularly Indigenous peoples within the U.S. empire use and engage with social media. And the reason why that's important is because, so as you know, Indigenous peoples tend to be a minority within the U.S. population. We often tend to be less than 1% at most colleges and universities, about 2%, I think, within the census. And so because of the sort of limited and lack of diverse and complex representation, social media has become a way for us to sort of present ourselves in authentic and diverse and complex ways that mainstream media has not been able to or has supported, both historically and contemporary. So social media has become a way for us to do that, has become a way for us to sort of refuse caricatures of our ancestors, of our communities, And also it has become a space where we can share cultural knowledge with other indigenous communities, 
and also demand historical wrongs that affect many of us today. So it allows us to sort of advocate on issues. For example, Standing Rock. I think Standing Rock, it would not have been as popular if it would not have been without social media because so many of the news media at the time completely ignored what was happening at Standing Rock. But it was through Standing Rock, through live videos, through live streams, that we were able to see the type of injustice and violence that was happening to a lot of the sort of activists and allies that were trying to demand for environmental justice and also supporting Native sovereignty in the area. So that's like the positives, I guess you could say, about social media. Like, I also have a sort of hate-love relationship with it as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, You mentioned Indigenous peoples and what does that mean to you? Like, is that an umbrella term or? Yeah, so indigenous peoples is definitely an umbrella term. There's a particular definition that I use that I believe is from Decolonization is Not a Metaphor by E. Tuck and K. Wang Yang. And how they sort of define, define indigenous peoples are those who have creation stories and not colonization stories. How they have become a place, how they are a place. And I think that particular definition I really like because it centers that there's a sort of intimacy that one has with the land, both historically, ancestrally, and contemporarily. And although I use it offhand, a lot of times I also put it in context, I'll be like, oh, you know, indigenous peoples within the U.S. empire. If it's like a broad global thing, I'll talk about indigenous peoples on a global scale. Now, if I'm talking about, let's say, my own community, I would say either Diné or Navajo. Or I would refer to the Navajo Nation. So it really is an umbrella term, which is why I become very specific depending on what I'm talking about. And I know that with social media as very broad concept, Indigenous peoples is okay. Okay, interesting. Um, Will you tell me a little bit more about your community and how you have fit into your Navajo, you said? Yes, so I was born and raised in the center of the Navajo Nation in a small town called Chinle, Arizona. So I am Diné, and both my parents are Diné, and I grew up in a majority Diné community, which I think provides me a very unique experience. The first time I've ever been, I would say, a minority was when I went to college, when I moved to Providence, Rhode Island, and went to Brown University, and I was like, oh, wow where are my people? Because I grew up with having other Navajo students, Navajo teachers. Um, When I would go to the hospital, the people at the front desk would be Navajo. I mean, granted, most of the doctors were non-native. I did have non-native teachers. But like, it's a really interesting dynamic for me to have that experience. Yeah, particularly in Rhode Island. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. So how have you specifically been able to use your platform for good and is there any specific post that you've made that has really stuck with you and seemed to make a larger impact on you and other people there is one particular social media post that i think really inspires people and it's funny because originally there was no video there was no audio about it the post was like your ancestors were scholars, they were artists, they were engineers, they were teachers, they were scientists, so are you and more. 
I just posted it because it was fun. It was cute. And then when I was taking TikTok seriously, I translated that post into an audio. And it was so wonderful seeing how much people resonated with that message and how popular it became. And so I was like, maybe I should do a lot more inspiring and funny posts. And I think that sort of was a turning point for me because before that, I was just doing a bunch of controversial (laughs) videos and posts that really, I think, started conversations. For example, one of the first posts that ever gone viral on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter was a video that TikTok said violated their community guidelines. And it was literally just me talking that, like, you know, celebrating Thanksgiving is a celebration of genocide. If you really look at the historical context of Thanksgiving and its specific historical definition, a Thanksgiving only ever happens after like a victory or an accomplishment. And the first Thanksgiving was that an accomplishment to sort of kill indigenous peoples, which I don't think a lot of people realize because they loved the narrative that was sort of promoted during Abraham Lincoln's presidency. And so it was sort of a development of like, do I really want to do all this energy to start conversations? Or do I also want to divert my energy to inspiring people to have these conversations, but also sort of recognize the beauty, brilliance, and strength that many minoritized individuals have, whether they're Black, whether they're Indigenous, whether they're Thai, whether they're Kanaka Mali. So that was sort of how it has developed, which is why my tagline has been inspiring joy and justice, because now it's more of like, I like to have humor. I like to have fun. That's the joy. And then the justice part is like really having those difficult conversations. Yet it's developed in a way where I'm just like, you know what? This is what's happening. This is what I know. This is my perspective on it. And I hope that y'all can support me on this. Yeah. What was it like having TikTok flag, or I don't know the right terminology because I'm not on TikTok, (laughs) Um, but what was that experience like having them say that your post violated community guidelines? I mean, that's crazy. It was interesting because I'm just (laughs) like, I didn't say anything bad. Like, I wasn't calling anyone a racial slur. I literally read through their community guidelines and I was like, how exactly did I violate this I was just like talking about a history and like, also I look really cute in that video. (laughs) Um, So I'm just like, what happened here? And eventually TikTok brought it back. But the thing is though, when TikTok removes your video, instead of so many people seeing it, so few people saw it. And then when it came back, it was like, you messed up your own algorithm. It's, it's interesting. So that's one of the things I don't like about social media is surveillance and the censorship that it has towards minoritized populations, whether they're queer, whether they're trans, whether they're native, whether they're black. A lot of these accounts have their content removed because it supposedly violates community guidelines. And I think that just shows the sort of difficulty that a lot of people who are not white, who are not straight, who are not rich have to deal with on social media. Yeah, I think even people who do fit into all of those categories of straight, white, rich, will sometimes bring up these topics and say, like, hey, there's something wrong happening here. And social media just kind of goes, no. And they make sure that it stays somewhat farther away. Well, either that happens or they get celebrated for saying something that 
<laughs> someone has said. That somebody and else like, already said? <laughs> it's, yeah, and yes. you're like, mm, excuse me? I, you understand my hate love relationship. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I totally get it. <laughs> so keeping all of the positives or negatives in mind, how has your relationship with social media been? Like, how have you as a person grown using social media? And would you say that it more positively impacts you to use social media? Or... <laughs> I would say positive. For example, I didn't really take social media seriously until 2017. So particularly Twitter. Twitter became an outlet for me to just rant and have like difficult conversations and just like share my thoughts on a lot of things because I wasn't getting it in my grad school program or I wasn't really getting it in my, my everyday life. And I just felt very isolated and alone. And so social media became a way for me to have those conversations. It was so nice to find a community of Black and Indigenous, queer and trans people on the internet and other communities of color too, who were also like wanting to have these conversations, who had controversial opinions within their own community. Um, granted, I did get into a lot of arguments in the beginning with trolls. But now, because of that, I realized that I had to sort of establish boundaries. So I would say my relationship has become very much aware of both enriching and positive impact of social media as like connecting with friends, engaging in wonderful dialogue, but also just some just like ignoring the hate too. It's It actually has helped me a lot in person too, because I'm a lot more articulate around my thoughts. I'm able to sort of see when people are like really interested and not interested and also i mean most of the time the people who throw hate are behind like blank accounts blank profiles and i'm just like you wouldn't have the audacity to say exactly. this in person <laughs> yeah um so it has really you know has really allowed me to have a lot more confidence in what i have to say and able to have those conversations in real life too whether in the classroom or with friends um <laughs> and like in a very twisted way it has definitely made me into a much better person but also, I wasn't on it until like 2017, and I am um, at the time I was like what 22. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that does change it. Um, hearing that for the most part you've had a pretty positive experience with social media, like how do you make sure that it stays positive for you? Because it's really hard for a lot of people. Boundaries and intentions. So boundaries, for example, I actually have notifications turned off for Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If I have them on, I'm going to be like, oh, what, what, what is happening? Or it would be a bit too much and my phone would die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's both a practical thing and also like, I don't always have to be online. I'll be in class or I'll be in a meeting or I'll be playing a game with my siblings. And I'm like, oh, I I don't have to be on social media. Let me be in the present for a moment. So having that type of boundary and understanding, like, I'm in control of my use. I'm in control of how much time I spend on my phone, how much time I don't. Um, And the other thing is, like, intentions. So on my public account, my intention is to inspire joy and justice, to just, like, have fun and, you know, get certain conversations going. Within my private accounts, I'm just like, oh, this one's just for friends and family. Right. And it's just to say, like, what are they up to? What are they doing? Right. Yeah. Um, also group chats with them because my messages are horrendous on my public accounts. So having like a smaller private account allows me to just be able to connect with friends and see their celebrations that they're sharing. Also reach out, share memes. I love sharing memes with my friends. 
<laughs> and like we just laugh together. I also like use the private account for like video chatting with friends because sometimes we forget we have FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I think that's what I was trying to get at. Um, for the most part, a lot of people don't have the same kind of social media platform that an influencer has. And you'll see people posting social justice stuff all the time. Do you think that it's important for people who don't necessarily have the same platform as an influencer to still be posting things like that, even if it's not reaching nearly as many people? Personally, yes. And my sort of practice is that if I can inspire one person today, then I've done enough because that person will inspire someone else and then they will inspire else. And so I recognize that I am part of a collective of inspiration and also am descended from a collective of dreams and hopes of inspiration. And so I'm very, I'm honored and flattered that so many people love my content and so many people support my work because I know that this work, it's, it's a collective of people who came before me and I know it's going to be a collective of people who come after me. I very much move into like reciprocal and relational type of way on the internet because I'm one person and I don't know everything. I wish I did. I really do. But then I think that would be dangerous for other people. (laughs) But the thing is, though, is that I know my limits. I know I don't know everything. It really becomes it really becomes dangerous when one person becomes the authority on a topic or issue. And so I, I have tried very hard not to become an authority on topics or issues. It's very, it's, it's interesting. Like I get emails for interviews to talk about a particular subject and I'm like, I'm not part of that community. It sounds like a great thing, but I can direct you to other people. And oftentimes there are people with like smaller accounts or people with less than a thousand followers. And I'm like, this person's the expert. This is the person who knows more. You should talk to them. Um, so yes, I think if that is your passion, if your passion is social justice, if your passion is to change the world, then continue to post, continue to do what you want. If that brings you joy, that makes you happy, that's great. Eventually it will pay off. Like someone with a bigger platform might notice, will notice, and will follow you and will share your content may even even offer a collaboration. I mean, that's what I do all the time. I love collaborating with people who have smaller accounts, especially people who are queer and trans and indigenous, because I know that like my presence, such a large presence, gives me a little bit of more credibility in other people. But the fact that I'm able to collaborate with others, like I'm able to work with them and also give them credibility. So yes, collaboration important on social media, but also yes, if you have a small account, post. Post about this issue. You probably know something more. You like, I would say people know more about something they love than someone who doesn't. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, so what is one thing that you wish you had known as a teen? Or if you could go back and tell yourself something, what do you wish you had known? Oh. <laughs> this is always <laughs> the worst question for people. It's so funny. But the thing is, though, if it's only one thing, I'm just like, dang. <laughs> yeah i think i had somebody say like three things once so i would i mean to be close i would be like save your money <laughs> <laughs> fair yeah don't buy don't buy those shoes you will regret it <laughs> <laughs> um but in terms of like life-changing advice 
The journey for you is going to be really tough and difficult, but it's because of that experience that you become the person who you love and enjoy being around. And when things get really tough, remember that you have a lot of love for yourself, that your family loves you, that you have amazing friends who support and celebrate you, and do not let anyone tell you who you are because you define yourself at the end of the day. Perfect. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. Where can the listeners find more about you? Literally, well, we've been talking about this whole time. Basically, what are your social media <laughs> handles? Well, Abby, first, thank you so much for this lovely conversation. I enjoyed it. And for those who are interested in having a little bit of joy and justice in their lives, they can follow me on TikTok or Twitter at Danette Aesthetics, or as it is spelled, because they don't have like the lovely fancy upward accent, Dine Aesthetics, unfortunately, but it's pronounced Danette Aesthetics. I would share my Twitter, but I rant way too much on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's 100% fair. All right, well... Yeah, thank you so much for talking to me and taking time out of your day to come and have a conversation. I appreciate it.